From some of the biggest criminals of all sitting in the White House to the lax rules at our southern border, the United States was once a great country that was founded upon freedom, values, bravery, and independence. But we've quickly devolved into a country that is run by bold-faced criminals who ignore the will of the people. From the Biden administration redefining what the term recession means to the cartel making upwards of $13 billion thanks to Biden's open border policies, it's clear that we are a country that caters to crime. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. I apologize that it's been a while since we've done a show. I've been traveling for the past week and a half, both to the border here in Texas and to New York City to show you guys what life is like in Democrat cities, show you guys what's going on at our southern border. So thank you for being patient with me as you've had to wait for the next show. Now, before we get into the news, please, of course, remember to follow me on Truth Social at Sav Says. The link is down below. And the reason why I, of course, ask you guys, if you're new here, to follow me on Truth Social is because my Twitter account is permanently banned, triple banned, actually. And so Truth Social is where you can find my on-the-ground reporting. If you guys miss me, you miss the show, you want to see what I'm up to, go follow me on Truth Social so you can follow along with what I'm doing in live time. Also, please remember to follow me on Rumble. YouTube has censored four of my shows here on this platform. So it's more important than ever that you go follow me on Rumble, where my show will always be allowed to live. Also, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I will be reading two of them at the end of the show, and I read every single review that you guys leave. I'm very appreciative to everybody who has done that. I will be reading them at the end of the show from now on. So now that all of that's out of the way, let's talk about the complete and utter degradation of America. This is something that I have focused in on. And, you know, I go back and forth between being black pilled and then white pilled, hopeful about the state of America and where we're headed, and then very upset about what's being allowed to prosper. And over the past week and a half, one of the most common themes that I have seen is that we are now a country that caters to crime. We are now a country that promotes destruction, promotes degradation, promotes degeneracy. And this is just normal for us. Now, I've been reading the essays of Thomas Paine because I really wanted to understand where the heads of our founding fathers were back in 1776 when this country was founded. I wanted to really understand the foundations of this country and the strong men that built it and that fought for it. So I was reading Thomas Paine's The American Crisis again in 1776. I wanted to open the show with one of my favorite quotes right here. He says... Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to set a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. The reason I wanted to start out with this excerpt is, one, I think that every single American should read this essay if you haven't previously, or just to remind yourself of, again, the foundations of this country, what our mindset on freedom and regarding our rights and liberties should be. This is very important. And protecting those rights and liberties is more important than ever, ever before because we have become a country that not only caters to crime and criminals, but aids and abets criminal activity. We're going to be discussing the border and how Joe Biden is helping the cartel make not only millions, but billions of dollars off of human trafficking and drug smuggling. We're going to be discussing how the Biden administration is just straight up bold-faced lying to us, which again is not surprising in the least. But um, 
you know, we're in a recession. We've been talking about how we're headed towards a recession because of how poor Joe Biden has been as a leader. Uh, you know, we've seen the hints from where our economy is currently at regarding where we're heading. And many people say, OK, recession. All right. Now, the Biden administration, as per usual, whenever they have to take responsibility for the consequences of their actions, what they simply do is redefine what something means. So I wanted to look up what the term recession originally meant, right? So I went ahead and Googled it. And uh, this comes from the Oxford Dictionary. It says, recession is a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Now, we're going to focus in on that bottom part right there, the fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Now, even before the confirmation that we were headed into a recession was hitting, I was researching myself. What is a recession? How does it differ from a depression? What's the difference? And it's those two consecutive quarters that would signal we are in a recession, correct? Well, lucky for us, we have an, uh, you know, an administration that um, is always truthful, always very honest, especially when we're headed into economic decline, right? So, of course, the White House went ahead and put this press release out regarding the recession that we're headed into. And they say, what is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. And then they go on to say that based on data, it is unlikely that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year, even if it's followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. So exactly what we would expect to see from the Biden administration who has bold-faced lied to us since the start of their their rule of America. They institute these bad policies, they tank our economy, they shut down our pipelines, and then what happens when we head into a recession? What happens when our gas prices rise? Oh, it's because of Russia. Oh, it's because of the war in Ukraine. Oh, it's because the definition of recession uh, is actually incorrect. Now, you might read this press release and say, okay, well, some dumb White House intern might have written that. Well, let's listen to one of Joe Biden's advisors, okay, from the mouth of this own administration uh, regarding where we're headed economically uh, regarding this recession. Let's listen. On the, uh, the definition of recession, which has been an issue that I know many of you have uh, reported on, um, as Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. Except for that, it is the definition that economists have traditionally relied on. But luckily for us, we are living through one of the truthful, most truthful administrations that this country has ever seen. Um, so what they're doing right now is actually telling us the truth that recession and what it's typically meant for decades is actually a lie this whole entire time. And everybody is just misinformed about that. But luckily for us, you know, we have the Biden administration um, coming forward and correcting the record. Look, recession typically meant, uh, you know, like a two a two term decline in the GDP. 
But it was actually wrong for decades. And the economists have been lying to you guys the whole entire time. We're not heading into a recession. And, uh, you know, forever in a depression under this administration. We're just going to go ahead and tell you that we're not, just like we've been doing with the baby formula shortage, with the open borders problem, and with the fact that um, the grocery store shelves are going empty. We're just going to go ahead and tell you that that's actually not happening. Tell you not to believe your eyes. Tell you not to believe your own ears when we are clearly hearing and seeing Joe Biden suffer from dementia on the world stage, we're just going to go ahead and tell you to completely ignore that. Okay, great. So it's very funny to me because so many political commentators are coming out and saying that Joe Biden trying to redefine what the term recession means is very Orwellian. Uh, it's very scary to see that this administration would do something like this. Oh my goodness. What do you expect from the party that redefined what the term woman meant? You think that this was going to stop with their fake science BS? Absolutely not. Now it's going into the economy. And there's actually a clip that came out from CNN where one of their pundits was saying, we can't fake this. We can't fake it. I should have had that ready for you guys for the show. But even CNN admitting the Biden administration cannot fake what is currently going on with our economy right now. Maybe you can fake what a woman is. Maybe that's subjective. And that's so funny, right? Everything in society is subjective. So I mean, really, a woman is just what you feel. You know, it's not subjective. People starving in the streets, our grocery store shelves going empty, gas prices rising. But the Biden administration will continue to lie to us about that. This is from Joe Biden's official Twitter account last week. Gas prices are declining at one of the fastest rates we have seen in over a decade. We're not letting up on our work to lower costs even further. Now, one of the most popular series that I've been doing lately has been going to gas stations and asking Americans about Joe Biden's tweets, right? Because Joe Biden tweeted out last month that the economy is doing great. And uh, anybody saying otherwise is a bold-faced liar. The economy is doing great. Americans are saving more than ever. And now Joe Biden is saying that gas prices are also declining at one of the fastest rates we've ever seen in a decade. Keep in mind that Joe Biden shut down all these pipelines. We were previously uh, energy independent, but now we are again dependent on a lot of these foreign countries, which is why Joe Biden is gro groveling um, to uh, you know the leaders of these foreign countries for their oil right now, because we could be produce, producing our own, but that's way too simplistic. No, instead, Joe Biden's just going to lie to us about how the rising gas prices are because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. And if you think that it stops there, absolutely not. They also have one of these beautiful charts for us. Uh, Joe Biden says, for American families looking for a little more breathing room, these savings matter. He put this one out yesterday, and it's a chart that says at current prices, the average driver will spend 35 less per month for one person or $70 less per month for a family with two cars than they would if gas prices stayed at their peak. So Joe Biden pushed gas prices up to their peak with his bad policies. But luckily for you, now that he realized that that was a horrible decision to make and Americans were getting pissed off because they couldn't afford gas, he drained our strategic oil reserves, which are not supposed to be used um, to lower gas prices, by the way. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be used in an emergency when we're in a war. But that aside, Joe Biden's draining, uh, draining our strategic oil reserves to lower some of those gas prices and now telling you that they're decreasing in the fastest rate that they ever have in a decade. That's like somebody putting you on a nice boat and then shooting a hole in the side of it. And when everyone starts drowning, being like, oh, well, um, here's a life vest.
Great, great job. There you go. Why are you complaining? You could have been dead in the water, but we gave you a life vest. Yeah, you could have been on the nice fancy boat that we just shot a hole into the side of. Don't ask us why we did that, but don't complain because we gave you a life vest. So there you go. Same thing. Joe Biden absolutely tanking our economy, destroying America as a whole. We've seen it time and time again. And uh, for Joe Biden, too, saying that, you know, gas prices are rapidly declining per AAA. They say that today's national average is still at about four dollars and 30 cents, a little bit over that. And I wanted to look at what the prices of gas were under Donald Trump. And of course, typically we see this with many of you know these mainstream media articles and with Google. If you type in what was the price of gas under Donald Trump during this period in his presidency, the first articles that pop up are fact checks that read, were gas prices really $1.86 when Donald Trump left office? And I wanted to bring up this fact check because even in this fact check by USA Today, Trump apparently said uh, gas was $1.86 when he left office. And these fact checkers saying actually the national average price of gas during the week when he said it was a dollar and 86 cents, it was actually $2.38 or about 28% higher than what he actually said. And the reason I bring up this article is because it's absolutely hilarious to me that even Donald Trump being incorrect at the price of gas and the fact checkers trying to say actually it wasn't $1.86, it was actually $2.38. It the, the price of gas is double that under Joe Biden, as he is currently bragging about how gas prices are declining. So just to give you guys a little bit of a refresher there for you on what gas prices looked like under Donald Trump. I had never seen dollar gas prices in my entire life. I saw them for the first time under Donald Trump. Even the fact checker saying, oh, well, they were two dollars and 30 cents under Donald Trump. So they were 28 percent higher. That is still two times less than what it currently is under Joe Biden. Again, I just said it, but let me reiterate, as he brags that gas prices are declining. And it's not just the gas prices that are hurting Americans' pockets. It's not just the recession that we are currently in that is impacting our economy, that the Biden administration is just pretending isn't happening. Per CNBC, Nearly half of all Americans are falling deeper in debt as inflation continues to boost costs. With inflation hitting a 40-year high in June, Americans are struggling to keep up with rising prices and putting less money aside for emergencies or long-term financial goals. Americans' overall satisfaction with their financial condition now stands at a 12-month low and 43% of consumers expect to add to their debt in the second half of the year. It goes on to talk about how higher prices have taken a call. A a big toll, obviously, how this economy, a.k.a. Joe Biden, has produced the highest inflation rate since 1981. And you know what? I can't blanket blame Joe Biden for that, actually, because we do have to remember that Donald Trump was also complicit in printing out billions or was it trillions of dollars under COVID with all of those stimulus plans? What do we think was going to happen when we printed out Billions of dollars that are not backed by gold, that are backed by nothing, and then we flooded our economy with a worthless dollar. What did we think was going to happen? Right here, my friends, right here. So apparently, 40% of consumers cannot put any money at all into savings. 
Uh, 19% said they had to reduce their savings rates. 48% of consumers said the rising costs of basic necessities impacted their family's lifestyle. A steep jump from 39% in the first quarter. Oh, yeah, but guys, but those quarters don't matter per Joe Biden. And again, they, they go on in this article even to try to blame the pandemic for this, but this isn't the pandemic. And I'm so tired of our media trying to say, well, because of COVID, because of the pandemic that we're still in, we're not in a pandemic. Let's stop pretending we're in a pandemic. The CDC tried to declare that we're in a monkeypox pandemic. No, we're not. I'm going to be talking about that here in a moment because that in itself is more fear mongering and ridiculousness. You know what's actually going on in this country? Not a monkeypox pandemic. No, again, per CNBC, wholesale prices shoot up near record 11.3% in June on surge in energy costs. The producer price index rose 11.3% from a year ago in June, near the record 11.6% posted in March. Excluding food, energy and trade core PPI was up 6.4%. The monthly gain of 0.3% was below expectations. I guess that's good. Uh, jobless claims jumped to 244,000 last week, the highest level since November of 2021. I mean, why would you want to work in Joe Biden's America when you can just live off of the government? We also have long lines back at U.S. food banks as inflation hits record high. On top of that, local food banks facing shortages of food because there's such a surge in demand amid the record high inflation. Just a little bit from this article from CBS. Local food banks are facing a shortage of food and surging demand amid record high inflation. The rise in food, gas, and housing prices are driving people to food banks in search of relief. A local emergency food pantry, uh, Bayview Community Center in Milwaukee, is among those offering relief, but they too are facing difficult times. They go on to say that the community center has seen an increase in guests by nearly 15% in the month of June servicing 797 individuals. They shared that they haven't had access to eggs in several months. Their connection to milk was going to be drying up. So this is a little bit of what Joe Biden's America looks like. Um, your test run for socialism doesn't seem very fun. And I won't <laughs> I won't say this. I, I will go ahead and let my fellow American get the point across. Um, how are Americans feeling about Joe Biden and his presidency? Let's find out. Your husband's the worst president we've ever had. Thank you. you owe us Thank gas you. money. You owe us Thank gas you. money. You owe us gas money. So there we go. Jill Biden headed towards her next event to go insult another subset of an entire race in America. Uh, this American screams at her and goes, you owe us gas money. Your husband is one of the worst presidents we've ever had. You owe us gas money. So this administration doing so horribly that not only are Joe Biden's motorcades all over the nation still being met by Trump flags and groups of Trump supporters, but Jill Biden can't even walk down the street to her next event without being heckled by Americans saying that Joe Biden is the worst president that this country has ever seen. So Americans are definitely feeling the pain, not happy with his administration at all. People constantly asking me, oh, Seth, you're, you're talking to Americans on the street. How are they feeling about Biden? Are they happy? We see that a record number of people are fleeing the Democratic Party. We see that the Democratic Party doesn't even want to own Joe Biden. Yeah, things aren't looking so good, guys. That's what happens when you fortify an election.
per time. Okay, those those are not my words. That was Time Magazine who wrote a very in-depth article about how this election was a little bit fortified through the uses of big tech, uh, through the use of manipulation of our information. Remember that the New York Post censored the Hunter Biden story. Many Americans saying, wow, if if I knew that Joe Biden's son was an actual crackhead, I probably wouldn't have voted him into the White House. But guess what? Big tech censored the story. Now Hunter Biden is rubbing noses and maybe doing cocaine with a couple of world leaders. Diplomacy, am I right? It's a beautiful thing. Let's check in on Kamala Harris. Oh, actually, before we jump off of Joe Biden, apparently she had a press secretary and he quit. I didn't even know Joe Biden had a press secretary. No, I didn't say Joe Biden. I said Jill Biden, his wife, had a press secretary. And everybody is jumping ship from the Biden administration so fast that even this unnamed press secretary that nobody knew quit his job as Jill Biden's helper. And many of us wonder, why wouldn't you want to be a part of the Biden administration? It's so successful. They're doing such a great job leading the people. So beloved by everybody on the streets. One of the smartest vice presidents we've ever seen as well. I wonder why people don't like them. Now, okay, I'm I'm done joking. I'm done joking. But the answer lies right here with our own vice president from her own mouth. She came out with this today, with this statement. And this right here perfectly encapsulates why nobody likes this administration and how they're focused on every single issue except for the real ones that matter and are impacting real Americans. Listen to Kamala Harris today. Oh, by the way, too, for my podcast listeners, She's wearing a big black face mask. I don't know. Maybe she's going to get monkeypox. Who knows? I guess we're in a pandemic for that. Kamala Harris, seeing her track record, she'd probably uh, be a good candidate for that. So, you know, maybe she should be scared of monkeypox. I don't know. She's wearing the face mask. Is she scared of COVID? Is she scared of monkeypox? Nobody can tell. Listen to Kamala Harris. Uh, Good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion. Um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And um, these are our leaders. We have the vice president of the United States masked up In 2022, the middle of one of the hottest summers we've seen, wearing a face mask, telling the world her preferred pronouns, and detailing what she's wearing, which I could only assume is because, of course, they have to be inclusive of all communities, so they're probably probably like, well, for the people who I don't know are blind and are watching this, we have to describe exactly what we're wearing because we don't want to be ableist and we don't want to ostracize a specific community. So now every single time we get up in front of a camera, we're going to say our pronouns so that way the LGBTQIA plus community doesn't get mad. We're also going to describe exactly what we're wearing so that way, you know, people who may have a uh, 
sight impediments, they can understand what's going on. And um, yeah, also we're, we're going to shout out every single religion, every single race, every single time we get up in front of, uh, you know, any world leader, just because we want to be so inclusive, because that's what our administration's focused in on. That's Kamala Harris. And again, we have real issues with crime rates surging with our border. Again, we're going to get into all of this. And this is what this administration is focused in on. And it's like, how many times do I have to sit here and say this? It's like, it keeps getting worse and worse. It's not even funny anymore. I don't even like highlighting this. It's like, wow, Kamala Harris really sucks. So does Joe Biden. Wow. Happy Tuesday. It's the same as every other day. America in rapid decline. They always say that Joe Biden is the worst president that America has ever seen. But the one thing that he's done very well and very successfully is destroying us in record time. Now, going into monkeypox, because, of course, our media also wants us focused in on irrelevant viruses that are spreading, because we all know that the easiest way to control a population is via fear mongering. So apparently monkeypox is the latest and greatest thing that apparently all Americans need to be afraid of. Okay, so the World Health Organization three days ago declared monkeypox a global health emergency. Now, I found this thread on Twitter of this gay individual who contracted monkeypox. And I was going to read it to you guys so we could all get a better understanding of how you get monkeypox. But unfortunately for me, too many people in the right wing found his thread and he deleted it and he took his account private. So... I'm going to give you an example of one of the excerpts from this thread. And this was like a five, 10 tweet long thread, but this is one excerpt from it. I'm going to censor it for you because I, I like you guys. So this is from Babe the Pig Boy, who again says he contracted monkeypox. And of course, it's the government's fault. He says, so I attended the orgy, had a great time, guzzled a metric F ton of human piss. I think I had sexual contact with around 15 men similar to the orgy on Saturday, had a great time at some great people, then stumbled home super drunk. And he goes on this long thread about how after all of this, he contracted monkeypox. So apparently 98% of the people being affected by monkeypox are a part of the LGBTQ community, but the World Health Organization and all of our medical officials are telling us that this is something that all Americans need to worry about. When I was in New York City, there was also a protest against monkeypox. I don't know how you protest a virus, but the LGBTQ community was out in full force to protest because the government apparently isn't supplying them with enough monkeypox vaccines and they're upset because they can't have more orgies and have as much sex as they want to keep in mind this isn't just like you know sex between couples this is promiscuous sex and orgies these people are literally out protesting because they're upset that they can't be involved in unprotected orgies in new york city but don't take my word for it this is one of the interviews that i got from a sex worker who was there to speak out about the importance of vaccination and to spread awareness about monkeypox and why we should all care about it. Let's listen. So you were just talking about sex work, monkeypox. For the communities who maybe not don't understand what monkeypox is, can you explain it to us? Yes, well, monkeypox is uh, an infection. I try not to say monkeypox so much because it'll be racist, 
but um, it is it has a terrible effects and it has a lot to do with robbing and it has a lot to do with robbing body parts that's why it affects people uh, while engaging in sex and for that uh, it is important to know that for some people sex is not just pleasure it's also work like my community of sex workers so as a sex worker how has your community been impacted by this talk well it is being terribly impacted in the fact that many of us are very scared right and because of that we are making decisions not to work so are people in the community having a lot less sex would you say because of the fear of monkeypox uh, unfortunately a lot of people are choosing not to have sex but for sex workers that's not a choice at times because that depends if you eat or you don't eat so that creates like a whole mental health All right, issue uh, because you are ex- dealing with extreme uh, anxiety uh, of while working. Imagine like Our if you were working speaker, in, a, in, in, a, in a donut uh, place, right? And you have to live with anxiety of getting something all the time. That's uh, our life. Okay, so I don't know how in the course of a minute and 38 seconds I captured everything ridiculous about this virus. One, apparently the name is racist. I think it's more racist to tie monkeypox to a racist connotation. I think that just goes to show more than anything what you personally think about certain communities. That's on you. This sex worker also highlights that they're literally upset because they can't have sex and be degenerates. Like, I'm just going to be very honest with this, okay? If you're scared of monkeypox, then stop having promiscuous sex and stop being involved in orgies. It's really not that hard. But we've come to a place in America and we've come to a place in society where telling people not to have disgusting promiscuous sex with 15 men in a room, it's just, that is so bigoted. You can't say that. You just can't say that. Now let's look at the qualifications or the eligibility for getting a monkeypox vaccine. So unless you meet all of the following criteria, you are not eligible to be vaccinated for monkeypox. So these are the three points. You have to be gay, bisexual, or a man who has sex with men and or transgender, gender non-conforming, or gender non-binary. You have to be 18 or older, and you have to have had multiple or anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days. So you have people in the streets of New York City protesting because they're upset that they don't have access to a vaccination that they need because they've had sex with multiple people in less than two weeks. That's what the LGBTQ community in America is focused in on. And I think about this often because I do go to the border and I talk to the migrants and I'm like, you know, what did you see? What did you do? A lot of them are like, oh, we saw a rape. We saw a murder. We saw trafficking. Um, my, my family got kidnapped by the cartels. We're fleeing Venezuela and Cuba because of the oppressive government, because of socialism, because of a destroyed economy. It was horrible over there. You go to the border And it was funny because I went straight from Eagle Pass to New York City. And then you go to New York City and you talk to the LGBTQ community and they're like, we are just being so impacted because we cannot be in orgies. And it's just so discriminatory that the government does not care enough about us to give us this vaccine so we can go have sex with 15 men in a night. It's just like the government doesn't care about us. It's just such an oppressive government and we are a minority and it's hard for us to work. My favorite part of that interview is when she says, 
that sex work is like working in a donut shop. That analogy is my favorite. It's like, yeah, I don't think having sex with random strangers every single night can be comparable to working in a donut shop. And I don't understand why you would have anxiety. Again, it's just, I can't even in my own mind piece together how their minds work because you have to do so many mental cartwheels. And then of course she brings up the, 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 um, concept of mental health and how it's a mental health issue for the LGBTQ community because they have to deal with anxiety because they're willingly going and having sex and it's giving them anxiety because they might get monkeypox. Granted, they probably already have every other STD under the sun, but that's fine um, as long as it's not monkeypox. Now, apparently children are getting this disease and we heard from the sex worker we read the eligibility requirements to get the vaccination. So many people asking the question, how did these children get monkeypox? By the way, these two young kids, gay men adjacent per CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. And again, this is just the mental cartwheel that this woman has to go through because the left is so absolutely insane and they have manipulated her language so much that she can barely even spit out what she's trying to say because she doesn't want to offend the communities who are men that might identify as women. Just listen, it's absolutely ridiculous and it is so stupid that this is even an official in our government. The fact that these people are in our government and that they're leading us in any way, shape or form the fact that this woman is a part of our CDC just goes to show that we need to abolish the CDC and never trust anything that they say, to be quite honest with you. Listen, um, we do have seen now two cases that have occurred in children. Both of those children um, are traced back to uh, individuals who come from the men who have sex with men community, the gay men, uh, men community. Um, and so when we have seen those cases in children, they have generally been what I call adjacent to the community most at risk. So word salad coming out of her mouth because she doesn't even know what she's trying to say. The gay men, the, uh, the kids adjacent. Uh, so this is the director of our Center for Disease Control. And you want me to have faith in these institutions when this person can't even adhere to basic language regarding this virus? When our scientific leaders and officials can't even use real scientific terminology to straight up say, yeah, the gay community should probably stop having gay sex because it is the LGBTQ community that is being 98% impacted by this. And the two children that got this were gay adjacent per the CDC director. But they can't say that because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. And that just goes to show and highlight that our government is so far gone and science is so dead and non-existent in this country because they're trying to capitulate to these mentally ill people. That just goes to show how far gone we are, truly. I was talking to one of my friends because he thinks that I'm crazy. Uh, because I think that the COVID vaccine was a giant money-making operation and that big pharma profits off of keeping people sick. He thinks that I was an idiot. He thinks that I was crazy for it. He's trying to debate me. We debated it for a couple hours. And I sit back and I watch clips like this and I'm like, so that's the director of our CDC, of the CDC. And you want me to think that big pharma, that our medical officials, that these three letter agencies like the World Health Organization that covered for China at the beginning of COVID-19 care about us and they're not trying to profit off of us and these communities. 
but I'm the idiot. Now, the World Health Organization actually being truthful for once, per the Gateway Pundit, WHO admits everyone who receives a monkeypox vaccine is part of a clinical trial to collect data on its effectiveness. Now, I wish the CDC, the World Health Organization, or any of the other people who were pushing the COVID-19 experimental vaccine on us were as honest. But unfortunately for us, we're not a protected class like the LGBTQ community, so we just get experimented on blindly. So the WHO coming out and admitting that, you can go watch this video if you'd like. It's so funny, too. I was going to pull it in, but I was like, you know, I don't even want to listen to this. Uh, But WHO also reaffirms men who have sex with men are the most at risk by the virus, yet gay men. And you think that if the World Health Organization actually cared about these communities, they would come out and say, stop having gay sex. But they won't because they don't care about that community and they don't want to hurt people's feelings because they don't adhere to real science. And if they did, they would put people's lives and trying to stop people from getting the virus at the forefront of this instead of putting people feelings at the forefront of this that just goes to show you more than anything how deadly this actually is um so that's the cdc and the world health organization trying to give guidance on monkeypox the world health organization being very honest with what this vaccine is it's a clinical trial it's experimental just know that before you take it but again the average person was not granted that that truth They were not granted that option. They were not granted that right to know that they were being experimented upon. And we see this every single day in negative side effects tied to the COVID-19 vaccine. And that's why three of my rapid fire shows were deleted off of YouTube for medical misinformation because I was coming forward and saying that, yeah, the COVID vaccine doesn't work. It's ineffective. But because the CDC didn't come out and say it first, It was misinformation. Granted, they did a couple months ago, if you don't remember. They completely contradicted everything that they said during the pandemic, as did Dr. Fauci. Speaking of which, he came out today and said he was never pro-lockdown, which is the biggest crock of S-H-I-T I've ever heard in my life. The COVID-19 vaccine was not safe and effective for everybody, like our government and governments worldwide said that it was. And we're going to watch videos now of what I'm talking about because these people are never highlighted. These people are never talked to by our mainstream media. They're never interviewed. They're never propped up, highlighted. Their stories are never shared. So let's listen to the reality of some of the COVID-19 vaccine side effects that we don't hear. Am I allowed to say the V word on TikTok? Because I'm just about to, and we're just going to see how that goes. Vaccine. Let's talk about it. So in 2020, I had just won a fitness competition. I maybe had a small patch of eczema on my hand, maybe my my inner arm here, and that was it. Never on my face. Never, ever, ever, ever. I had my eczema so well under control for 29 years that at that point, I was not actively working with a dermatologist. But let me tell you this. After every vaccine shot, and I had three, my eczema got worse. And I'm not saying that the vaccine triggered my TSW. I think it was a full, perfect storm, clusterfuck of things that happened to me. So as my skin got worse, I get 
told that I need to go see a dermatologist. So I go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist prescribes me stronger and stronger creams. He says, oh my God, you're worsening eczema. You need to go on Clycosport and you need to go on methotrexate. <sighs> These are drugs for people that are undergoing cancer treatments. And I was putting it in my body and just blindly doing what the doctors are telling me. Fast forward to January of 2022, I go in full blown TSW withdrawals I get I was shaking cold I couldn't regulate my heat I was oozing metallic liquid out of my skin I was gaining weight even though I wasn't eating I literally just enjoyed myself last night and had crispy cauliflower and this is what happened to me so man if I I can't even begin to tell you how upset I am holy hell <laughs> Do you know that I'm paying $1,164 on a medication called Dupixin? By the way, that's half off on a drug that I did not need prior to this, prior to the vaccines, prior to, prior to, prior to. Sorry, OMG. I'm just so freaking fucked fed up. I don't want to be that person that fucking cries on this app, but God fucking damn it. Really? Like, I feel like my whole life's been stripped from me. This is so freaking painful. Ugh. Yeah, I'm that, I'm that person that cries on this app, but it's not about a boy. It's about my freaking life. Um, ugh. Anyone else? Anyone else notice this? Like, I was literally just following doctor's orders, following the government mandates, and now this is my life. So this is a very heartbreaking video and she ends it by saying that she was just following the doctor's orders. She was just following the government's mandates and now her life is ruined forever. And to be honest with you guys, I've had a lot of vaccine news that I was going to talk about in previous shows, but I just lost passion around reporting on it because part of me was just mad. And I was like, you know what? If you got the vaccine and you're experiencing bad side effects, that's your own fault because you willingly went and got it. And then I remembered and I realized a lot of people didn't willingly go and get this vaccine. They were forced into it by a corrupt and tyrannical government that forced them out of their jobs, forced them out of their livelihoods. We still have military members, uh, police department members that are being forced out of their job because they're not vaccinated because of an experimental vaccine for a virus that had an over 99% survival rate. None of those statistics change. We are not in the COVID pandemic anymore. I'm so tired of people pretending that we are. People are still wearing face masks because the government targeted them with fear porn and propaganda for two years straight, locked them down, ruined their lives, destroyed small businesses, arrested people for not wearing face masks or for having the audacity to make sure that their employees had the ability to pay their bills. Our government did that to us. Do ne never forget that. Never forget what our government did to us. Never forget the fact the government was arresting people for going and surfing alone on the beach. Never forget that the government was filling up skate parks with sand so that young boys could not go out in the sunshine where viruses would have died, by the way. The viruses can't live in the freaking heat and sun. The government did that to destroy people's lives, not to protect them. If the government wanted to protect people, they would have been pushing hydroxychloroquine. They would have been pushing ivermectin. They would have been pushing these 
cocktails, okay, of medications that would have prevented people from going to the hospital and being on ventilators, but they didn't do that because the government does not care about you. And we see that every single day with the inflation rates, with the open border policies. I don't know what more I need to say to you guys to show you that the government hates you, but that's what it is. And I don't even want to always be so extreme with it. And I don't always want to be so angry about this, but the government doesn't care about our health. The government doesn't care about our wellness. If you look at what's in our air supply, what's in our water supply, the food that the government pushes on us as healthy, the government hates us. They want us to die faster. And that's why they push out all the things that they do. And that's why they force people to take an experimental vaccine that did not have research behind it. And people are dying from it and they're having their lives ruined. And the government doesn't give a damn. Dr. Fauci, now one of the highest paid officials in our government, and as he goes into retirement, he will be getting paid more than the President of the United States. But tell me again how Dr. Fauci and CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, who also bold-faced lied to us about the spread of COVID-19 after vaccination, tell me again how they care about our health. Now, the reason I'm so fired up is because I've also been following another account called Answers for Sean. This was a young boy, I believe he was 11 years old, and all he wanted to do was play hockey with his friends. And because he wanted to play hockey, because he wanted to get back to his normal life, like the majority of Americans who took the vaccine did, he died. This man lost his son, his young son. The government did that. COVID didn't do that. The lockdowns didn't do that. The pandemic didn't do that. The government did that. Listen to this video of what the COVID-19 vaccination is doing to people. And to be quite honest with you guys, I'm treading on some uh, fine lines here with YouTube. But to be quite honest with you, the truth matters more to me than this YouTube channel does. And it's this truth that has been hidden from people as to why we are seeing so many of these side effects, which is why we're seeing healthy athletes just collapse and die. But everyone just says, oh, that's normal. Oh, you're having a heart attack? It's probably because you're in the sun too much and it's super hot outside. Blood clots are actually very normal for people in their early 20s. This is a video of the father who lost his son to the COVID-19 vaccine. Listen. So you can begin when you're ready. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my son played hockey. His name is Sean Hartman since he was eight years old. And he took a year off for COVID and he got extremely bored sitting in his bedroom. He decided to go back to hockey this year. And to do that, he had to have a vaccination to play hockey. He got his first shot of Pfizer on August 25th, went to the hospital on August 29th with a bad reaction. He got sent home with only a prescription for Advil. He had a rash all over his neck and face and brown circles around his eyes. They sent him home, and on the morning of September 27th, his mother found him dead on the floor beside his bed. And all he wanted to do was play hockey. So I'm just wondering really how safe this is and why no deaths are being reported. You're talking about numbers and ICUs, but nobody ever talks about deaths. And it is happening more than anyone knows. And it's just being denied and silenced. And I have a Twitter page called Answers for Sean, which has 7,500 followers who are all wondering the same thing as me. What happened to my son? 
He had an autopsy done in Toronto. That came back, cause of death unascertained, which only 2% of deaths have that conclusion. The only thing they found was a slightly enlarged heart. So I questioned the coroner, well, is that not caused from the vaccine causing myocarditis? They're saying there was no myocarditis. I sent his autopsy report to a second well-known pathologist in Canada who wants to remain anonymous for fear of losing his job. He told me the vaccine did kill my son. I don't know who I can believe anymore. I have to go the rest of my life either thinking there's no cause of death so there you guys go. This man lost his son who simply wanted to play hockey. And keep in mind, too, that there's still a large portion of Canadians who can't even leave their country if they're not vaccinated. They're being held hostage right now by Justin Trudeau, who, keep in mind, is tied to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. But let's not venture down that rabbit hole right now. This is what the COVID-19 vaccine is doing to people. And this is what our government forced on us and governments worldwide have done to the people. So to anybody in this chat, anybody who ever watches this show that thinks the government cares about you, that any of these three-letter agencies, the World Health Organization, the CDC, have our best interest in mind, explain those for me. Explain those two stories for me. And there's many more like it, many of which are on my website, SavSaysOfficial.com, and we can continue all day long. This is a story that was shared on Twitter by a husband and a father who says, the vaccine caused my immune system to produce antibodies that activate platelets, which then clot. Doctors don't know if we'll ever stop producing them, so I may live as a blood clot risk for the rest of my life. Losing some intestine was actually the easy part for the doctors to treat. So you have so many tweets like this, right? And of course, people can say, oh, well, it's just a random tweet. Like there's no, uh, you, you don't know if that's credible or not. Okay. A lot of people love to say that. And it's like, so it'd be great if maybe journalists or the mainstream media would go and interview some of these people who are saying they're experiencing severe vaccine side effects to see what is true and what is false. Because right now we're having to rely on the VAERS database which conveniently as well, anybody can go and they can submit a report. And so people on the left say, well, we can't look at those statistics. We can't look at the VAERS database because anybody could go submit in a, a report. So how do we know if this many people really do have myocarditis now? How do we know if this many people really did just suddenly die uh, for no reason? Remember that sudden adult death syndrome was something that our media just happened to say was a huge thing. Wake up, people. Look what's going on and look what the government did to you. And I just wanted to remind you guys and put the fire back into your bellies regarding what the government actually thinks about you and why we need to listen and remember the mindset of our founding fathers who, again, fought for this country based off of not wanting to be taxed by the British. Now we have an entire tyrannical government that is forced injecting us and forced us into lockdowns for two years that we did not need to do, destroyed our economies, printing money and flooding our economy with worthless dollar bills, inflation rates record high. The government hates you and I don't know what more I can say or do to highlight that. But I'll keep giving you examples. Let's look at Dr. Barbara Ferrer. She is the one who announced that mask mandates would be returning to LA County. What you're looking at right now is a video of her 
partying with 70,000 people at an all-star game with no mask on. So she's one of the health commissioners in LA County that looks like a walking zombie. No, I'm not joking. Go look her up for yourself, Dr. Barbara Ferrer, and you'll be like, oh, damn, she has not seen sunlight in about 10 years. That is terrifying. So she's announcing that LA County may bring mask mandates back. And just days before... She was at an all-star game maskless because she knows damn well there's no real pandemic. And all of these media companies right now, they're hyping up COVID-19 and the next wave and all of the cases that are happening. It's a freaking lie and it's fear porn because they saw how well it worked the first time. They tried to do it with monkeypox, but everyone's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you only get monkeypox if you're gay. That's not working. So now they're trying to fall back on COVID again to make sure that people are scared so they're more subservient and they capitulate to their government and they give up more rights and freedoms for security, which historically is never a good idea. Now, per Bill Malusion, Culver City Unified District, school district, district was saying that they were going to make Elementary school kids wear face masks again starting on August 1st. They've since updated that and said they're going to reinstate it if L.A. County reinstates their mask mandate, which they are widely expected to do. So if you live in California, mask mandates are coming back for you. But what can you expect from a state run by the American psycho himself, Gavin Newsom, who many are speculating, by the way, is going to be running for president in 2024? I hope he runs for president. That's going to be the biggest laughing stock of an election campaign I've ever seen. Gavin Newsom, one of the most failed governors in this nation, look at what's happening in his state. We're going to be getting into that here in a moment. But before we pop off of COVID, because I am tired of talking about this overhyped cold, Apparently, Joe Biden, who was quadruple vaccinated, tested positive for COVID-19. My conspiracy theory is after he came forward and said that um, he got cancer. <laughs> My conspiracy theory is that the White House was like, get the positive COVID test. Pretend Joe has COVID. Get him out of here. He we need to get him away from the media as fast as possible because this is just a laughing stock. Yeah, this happened last week. Joe Biden says he has cancer thanks to the oil industry. And then the White House, of course, had to come out and correct the record and said, oh, it was skin cancer that he had years ago. One of my friends was joking and he was like, you know, the state of America is bad when the president says he has cancer and everyone just laughs it off and says, no, that's just his dementia. Yeah. So Joe Biden accidentally saying he uh, has cancer, but that's just a regular day uh, for Joe Biden. Also, just to again highlight the hypocrisy from the CDC, the World Health Organization, and this own administration. Let's listen to Joe Biden from back in July of 2021 regarding getting COVID if you're vaccinated. Keep in mind, he has four vaccinations against COVID. Let's listen. The, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Wow, Joe Biden lying and being fake news. What a surprise. So that was Joe Biden, the CDC, the World Health Organization, Rochelle Walensky back in 2021 saying, if you get vaccinated against COVID-19, you can no longer spread the virus. That was a damn lie. And now people are dealing with the negative side effects of that vaccine. Now let's jump to the border and also take a peek again at some of the other things our government is doing to further destroy our country, like keeping our border wide open. 
Now, remember that at the beginning of Joe Biden's administration, the cartels were telling migrants that the border will be open when Biden takes over. This came from a Texas Democrat. This is from Fox 8. And they wrote this article back in 2020. I remember the cartels basically celebrating when Joe Biden got into office because and I went and interviewed the migrants myself, okay? Because unlike the fake mainstream that reads off headlines to you and speculates about things, I actually go to the source. So I went and I interviewed these migrants who said, yes, we know the border is open under Joe Biden. That's why we're headed that way. And that's why the cartel is making so much money. So on top of the cartels celebrating when Biden got into office because they knew they were about to make bank, just to give you guys a quick update on how that's going for them, uh, per Breitbart, New York Times Cartel gets $13 billion a year from Joe Biden's welcome for migrants. The cartels and coyotes are earning, earning $13 billion a year by delivering economic migrants to U.S. workplaces via President Joe Biden's welcoming border agencies. The current revenue is 26 times larger than the $500 million the cartels earned under President Donald Trump's low migration policies, according to the July 25th report. The key news is buried in the 14th paragraph, of course, long after the lead's focus on a 2014 smuggling crime. For years, independent coyotes paid cartels a tax to move migrants through territory they controlled along the border. The criminal syndicates stuck to their traditional line of business, drug smuggling, which was far more profitable. That began to change around 2019. The acting deputy director at U.S. Immigrations and Custom Enforcement told Congress last year the sheer number of people seeking to cross made migrant smuggling an irresistible moneymaker for some cartels, he said. The enterprises have teams specializing in logistics, transportation, surveillance, stash houses and accounting, all supporting an industry whose revenues has soared to an estimated $13 billion today from $500 million back in 2018. And again, that's according to Homeland Security Investigations. So Joe Biden aiding and abetting criminal activity, I wouldn't even be surprised. I mean, we saw him and his business dealings via his son, Hunter Biden, with Ukraine, with China. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if he was working with the cartels as well. You know, maybe 10% for the big guy from that 13 bill. So on top of the cartels, making money off of this administration via the open border policy, just to give you guys an idea of what some of those numbers look like. Per Department of Homeland Security sources, there have been over 500,000 known gotaways at the border since the fiscal year of 2022, which began on October 1st. So we're not even finished with this fiscal year yet. We have already reached 500,000 gotaways. This eclipses the over 380,000 gotaways Secretary Mayorkas reported in all of fall of 2021. Approximately 900,000 gotaways since the fiscal year of 21 began, bigger than the population of San Francisco, and that comes from Bill Malusian. So we have almost 9 million illegal gotaways. And what I want to point out, too, with the gotaways is these are oftentimes the people that don't want to be apprehended. Now, when we go to the border, when you see my footage of all these people crossing over in mass, those people want to be apprehended. They want to be processed. Some of them want to seek asylum. Others are just tired of walking and they want Border Patrol to come pick them up. The people that don't want to be apprehended, a lot of these gotaways are drug smugglers, cartel members, human traffickers. They are people who have a record already here in the U.S. and have been previously deported for sexual assault, murder, amongst other crimes. So a million, almost a million, 900,000 at this point, I would expect it to reach a million. 
by the end of the fiscal year 2022. That's just the Godaways. Remember, we have, I would venture to say, over 2 million apprehensions already flooding across our border. That's what Joe Biden thinks about you and your safety. Here's some footage from Bill Malusian as well. This comes from a week and a half ago of gigantic groups being led across the Rio Grande by a human smuggler. And we see these groups coming every single day. Usually it's about $10,000 per illegal immigrant that the cartel gets across the border. And that's not a guarantee that they're even going to make it across the border. They're making about $10,000 per head. They're extorting people along the way. And Biden is just like, yeah, open borders are so loving and amazing. Remember back in March of 2021 when we saw that horrific footage of a three and five-year-old little girl being dropped by human smugglers down the 14-foot border wall? That's what open borders looks like. It's not a loving thing to do. All Joe Biden is doing is putting more money into the pockets of the cartels so they can continue extorting more illegal immigrants. So just an update on the border. Now, who are the biggest proponents of the open border? Democrats like Mayor Eric Adams of New York City, who previously said back in October of 2021, we should protect our immigrants, period. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. So Eric Adams, a very strong proponent of immigration. Well, a couple days ago, Apparently, Mayor Adams said that the influx of illegal immigrants is posing a real burden on New Yorkers from food to shelters and public schooling. Per National Review, Mayor Adams' influx of illegal aliens a real burden on New Yorkers. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing, but we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they are undocumented, Adams said. Translation services, there is just a whole host of things that this is going to produce, he added, referring to the expected negative externalities from the surge of asylum seekers arriving in the city. We need help. And he blames Texas and Arizona basically saying, stop busting illegal immigrants up here. It's really funny because Democrats always say that they're big, uh, you know, supporters of open borders until Greg Abbott is busing illegals to Washington, D.C., until Texas and Arizona are busing illegals to New York City. And then they start feeling the pain and realities of what open borders entails. And they go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. We just support the bad policy. We don't want to deal with it in our city. That's on you guys. Yeah. Congratulations. Now you get to experience what it's like to be a border state under your open border policy. Now, apparently, um, Mayor Adams has called on Joe Biden as these shelters were overrun with immigrants. He's saying that they need additional federal resources immediately so the city can handle the overflow. Quote, if we do not get these urgently needed resources, we may struggle to provide the proper level of support our clients deserve, while also facing challenges as we serve both a rapidly growing shelter population and new clients who are seeking asylum. The homeless population in New York City was... Huge, big problem up there, again, that has to do with the policies that the politicians in those cities push out. And uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, again, trying to find solutions by saying, 
that he plans on housing 3,000 illegal immigrants in hotels after they overwhelmed homeless shelters, uh, demands taxpayer cash from Biden to help. So he basically said that they're just going to start housing them in hotels. Also, keep in mind, too, this is a clip I've been wanting to play. In California, Gavin Newsom said, uh, keep in mind, taxpayers already paying an exorbitantly high amount of taxes over there. They are now going to be also providing free health care for illegals in California. And is Gavin Newsom footing the bill? Is the federal government footing the bill? No, it's you, the American taxpayer. Uh, listen to this video about how illegals are once again put at the forefront here in America. You think that the American president would care about American citizens? constituents. No, he only cares about the illegals that are flooding in and are going to vote for him again. Watch this. California has become the first state to guarantee free health care to all low-income immigrants. It's part of Governor Newsom's operating budget, which pledges to make all low-income adults eligible for the state's Medicaid program by 2024, regardless of their immigration status. Nationwide, low-income families get free health care through Medicaid, but the federal government doesn't pay for people who are living in our country illegally. The move will cost about $2.7 billion every year. So a cool $2.7 billion coming out of your pocket, taxpayers that live in California. Have fun paying for that. Uh, also, again, just to highlight how we are now a country that is catering to crime. With our open borders policy comes a lot of sex offenders crossing our border. This is a story from last week. Del Rio Sector Border Patrol agents arrest two sex offenders, one of which was a child sex offender. From the New York Post, man charged with raping, impregnating that 10-year-old girl in Ohio entered the U.S. illegally. He has since been indicted on that charge. And um, his name is Gerson Fuentes, who apparently comes from Guatemala. He was arraigned last week. His bail was set at $2 million. And it was funny because the left took a hold of this story and they were saying, oh, this 10-year-old girl had to cross state lines because she couldn't get an abortion. And they entirely omitted the fact from that story that the person who raped her was an illegal immigrant that shouldn't have been here in the first place. Let's keep going. Again, from Bill Malusian, this is a story about Ruben Beltran, who was a pedophile who was imprisoned in 2004 for raping and sodomizing a six and eight-year-old sister and brother. He had a parole hearing yesterday and the victims had to face him without an LA DA prosecutor because George Gascon, the DA in Los Angeles, loves criminals and hates the people he's supposed to be protecting. So I'm pretty sure, again, um, he was somebody that should not have been here in America. Feeding into, again, what happens when you have open borders, the American people are greatly affected by it. There is a huge surge in crimes. A lot of these illegal immigrants, and remember what happened too with Afghanistan because we were taking in all of the asylum seekers. A couple of the people who came over here seeking asylum raped children. Some of them saying, oh, it was a cultural norm. We didn't know that we couldn't do that here. Sorry. So on top of this being an issue, and actually, maybe he wasn't an, an illegal immigrant here. Let me make sure that I'm being correct with this. Um, he's just a disgusting pedophile who 
has been in jail. And, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this anyways, too, was because going into California and Los Angeles, um, this is what this state is allowing to happen to the victims of this pedophile. Um, George Gascon under new reforms, said that prosecutors are not allowed to go to the parole hearings for these criminals. And the families are blindsided because they're basically having to argue against parole for these horrific people who should be in jail and they have no legal help and they feel like they've been abandoned by the DA. Let's listen or let's read this real fast. Los Angeles deputy district attorney who successfully prosecuted the case against a pedophile who raped and sexually assaulted a brother and sister when they were children will be barred from attending the man's upcoming parole hearing as part of new DA George Gascon's reforms. And the mother of the victim is outraged. In the early 2000s, Beltran raped and assaulted a young girl when she was six and a young boy when he was eight. Beltran was a friend of the family and took advantage of their trust. The victims, now successful adults, both spoke with Fox 11 Wednesday night. They went on to say that they were so young and that he moved in to help repair the home. He turned into a monster. He raped the children. Um, the mother said that the perpetrator is a serial rapist, a child rapist, and he doesn't have any preference for sex, age, race. He's a dangerous person. Constance, the mother, says she was stunned when she recently received a letter from the state notifying her that Beltran would have his first parole hearing on March 11th. The shock was made even worse when the family learned that under D.A. George Gascon's reforms, their prosecutor won't be allowed to attend the parole hearing and the family will be left to argue against his release on their own. The brother is quoted saying somehow the responsibility is in our co court to protect society and that's simply not how it's supposed to work. There's every element of protection for him this violent monster criminal, and very little protection for us, the sister said. The mother sent Gascon a letter pleading with him to reconsider his blanket policy, and uh, they never heard back. So these families now not getting representation at these parole hearings where the criminals who brutally attacked them or their family members are being potentially granted parole. They now have to argue against that. And on top of that, to make matters even worse, Gascon is also going to be disbanding the unit that notifies victims of their assailants' parole hearings. So on top of the prosecutors already not being able to go to these hearings, now the victims may or may not even be notified that these criminals are potentially getting parole. L.A. County D.A. Gascon is disbanding a group of victim advocates and prosecutor and the D.A.'s office who notify victims and their family members about their assailants' parole hearings, sources tell Fox News. The parole unit, also known as the Lifer Unit, will be disbanded by the end of the year. The move comes after Gascon has banned prosecutors from attending parole hearings and his office said that notifying the victims can be triggering to them and it bogs down resources and then ultimately it's the responsibility of the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitations. So they basically just go, you know, we don't need to do this. Um, it's a waste of our resources. And we really don't care if the victims are one, not represented, and they have to argue against criminals being released, the same criminals that violently assaulted them, and they have to go and confront that person without any, any help from the state. Now, on top of that, they may not even know if that parole hearing is being held. So uh, very sad here. And also, again, just to correct the record, I thought that 
Ruben Beltran from that first story was an illegal immigrant. However, I had just placed it directly after the border news. So apologies. Just want to correct the record on that front because we're not fake news here. And when we make mistakes, we correct them. Um, but still ties to how, again, California is putting illegal immigrants and criminals above law-abiding constituents. Very sad to see. And by the way, who who paid to get George Gascon into office? Oh, yeah, George Soros, who, um, you know, the same group that he funded, the Open Society Foundation, spent $40 million to elect 75 progressive prosecutors over the last decade, uh, meaning one in five Americans now live in areas covered by his criminal justice reformers. And every single time we hear stories about a George Soros-funded prosecutor, district attorney, they're always the worst of the worst. Um, one of the district attorneys is the guy who let the uh, mass murderer, Daryl Brooks, the guy who went and murdered all of those people in the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Yeah, I believe that was in Wisconsin where the Christmas parade murder happened. Yeah, that DA was funded by George Soros. Gascon, who is making sure to aid and abet criminals and make sure that they can get out of jail as fast as possible, funded by George Soros. I want to play you guys too a couple of videos of what America as a whole looks like right now. And again, just really show how we're making life as simple as possible for criminals. Um, this is an individual who is fighting police officers in the subway. Apparently he choked a cop and he was back out either the same or next day. Watch this video. Okay, I don't have any sound under it, so just kidding. Uh, but what you guys are seeing, if you are a podcast listener and you don't get the visuals, are two individuals that are just wailing on these cops. And you know what? This is just a normal, everyday sight in New York City. You can go punch a cop. You can go choke out a cop. You're going to get out the same day. There's no laws. There's no rules. You think the governor, the Democratic governor, the Democratic mayor of New York City care or New York State care about you at all? No. They care about keeping criminals out on the streets, terrorizing law-abiding citizens. This is the same city where Kathy Hochul was trying to say concealed carry is not a constitutional right. Same city where people are getting stabbed, raped, attacked, murdered every single day. So that's the East Coast. Let's go over to the West Coast and check out Portland, one of the most shining examples of progressive policy and inclusivity and what it looks like when you allow the homeless to run rampant and you allow criminal activity to run rampant. This is what the homeowners in Portland are experiencing right now. I'm living in a nightmare neighborhood. It's really scary. For years, these neighbors have been watching the city's homeless crisis spread across parts of southeast Portland. Now it's right outside their front door. I want to cry. I just want my house back. Christina Hartnett lives on 80th and Powell, where a majority of the campers stay. My lawn is now becoming a public bathroom. She fears leaving her house just to go to work. And it is scary when you have grown men meth raging in your driveway. The last thing I feel safe doing is going out and saying, hey, can I can you please move so I can go to work? Calling the police in city is an everyday chore with little reward. 
So far, no one has come to help us. Central City Concerned Clean Start crews assessed this site Thursday. It was one of about 1,900 other campsites reported just this week. In the past 10 days, they found 272 encampments that pose a greater health and safety risk, which is why they haven't removed the camps in this neighborhood. But just getting the city to come out and assess it has been a full-time job. I have to report from like four different four different bureaus, and I have to report that report to a report, and then I have to report that report to a second report, and it's the only way to get any kind of traction. I feel like nobody hears us. Nobody cares about us. This mother didn't want to be identified on camera, afraid of retaliation from those living on the streets. She rarely lets her children outside to play. It's very sad, because my they're just kids, so they want to play. I don't know where they're coming from. Tess has lived in this neighborhood for 35 years. These boards now cover her front door windows after they were smashed by those living on the streets. So again, this is a, a video that we could continue to watch, and they're talking to these local residents and listening to their heartbreaking stories about how they're scared to go outside of their own front door to go to work because the homeless are doing drugs on their front lawn and publicly defecating. And that's what Democrat policy gets you. That's what voting for the Democrat policy gets you. That's what these progressive policies get you. How much farther do we need to go with this? How much farther do crime rates need to rise? For people to learn that these people should never be in power. From the Gateway Pundit, because if you think that this was, <laughs> you know, an issue that was going away anytime soon, nope. Michigan City decriminalizes public urination, defecation, and littering for equity. The city of Kalamazoo, Michigan, has now decriminalized public urination, defecation, and littering to be more equitable. Small business owners in the area had voiced their opposition to the effort, but of course their concerns were ignored. And on Monday, July 18th, the city commission unanimously voted to reduce the offenses from a misdemeanor to just a civil infraction. So if you want to go ahead and poop in the street, um, you know, maybe litter a little bit, Obviously, you know, the reason why they decriminalize these things is because it oftentimes leads to a better tomorrow for everybody, a better, cleaner America. Just kidding. I just went to New York where I saw a naked woman on meth flashing people where I saw poop in the streets. I went and I talked to the locals over there and I was like, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen? As a New York local, they're all sharing stories about how they've watched people defecate on their hands and smudge it all over their face for a hit of drugs, how they've watched public masturbation, how they've seen uh, they've been offered crack cocaine from the homeless on subways while the homeless are peeing and urinating everywhere. And they they laugh it off and they say, well, yeah, this is just normal. And that is normal for a Democrat run city, to be quite honest with you. But it's very sad to me to see how. Our society has been conditioned to think that these types of things are normal and how the people, when their corrupt government comes in and puts illegal immigrants and criminals above them, how they're just like, well, this is just it. The government is just, they did what they did. Oh, well. People need to start getting angry and they need to start going and yelling at their local government officials. Go to your city council meetings and go Give them a piece of your mind. Go stand up for your city. Go stand up for your small business. Go stand up for your neighborhood and stop letting these corrupt politicians destroy your cities and your lives. This is never going to end until people get vocal and they get loud.
Now, one of the last things I want to cover before we end this show is climate change, because this is a very hot summer nationwide. And climate change is the new fear porn that's being pushed by all of the media. Now, remember when this was global warming and then science came out to counter the global warming? Remember when Al Gore was saying that, oh, the ice caps were going to melt and that never happened? Remember how back in the 80s and 90s, we had scientific journals and articles and scientists coming out and saying that by the 2000s, people are going to disappear in a cloud of blue smoke because of climate change, because of global warming. And then they had to change global warming to climate change. And again, that in itself is another manipulation of the language because, yes, the climate does change all of the time. We've been through an ice age, you know, in our world's history. It gets hotter. It gets cooler. It gets hot in the summer. It gets cold in the winter. That's a thing that happens. I want to show you guys an example of the media, right? So this is a picture from back in 2017 and then a picture from 2022. So I'm not sure which news organization this is from, but on the top, this is in a screenshot from 2017 and the temperatures read like from 20 degrees Celsius to I think the highest is 34 degrees Celsius, right? So 34, uh, 36, 37, 37 is the highest number on this top chart from 2017. And the image is green. It just looks normal. It's like, oh, the temperature is kind of hot. Fast forward to 2022 when the uh, climate change fear porn is being pushed by our media. And the highest number on this chart, oh, it looks like this is for Germany, I believe. Um, if that is completely wrong, go ahead and laugh at my bad geography. If fast forward to 2022. And the highest temperature on this chart is 20 or is 32. Okay. The highest one from 2017 was 37. It's green. The highest one from 2022 is 32 degrees Celsius. And it's all in red. And why is it all in red? Because if COVID didn't scare you, if monkeypox didn't scare you, then we're going to get you with climate change and we're going to terrify you with that. Now, one of the funniest casualties of climate change has been the green energy policy that nations worldwide have been trying to push on people. And when I say green energy policy, I mean the electric vehicles or the solar panels that have been severely impacted due to the rising heat. And this just gives you a gleaming example of how and why green energy is not going to work on a mass scale, for example, from the New Haven Register, battery causes an electric bus to burst into flames, officials say. Crews responded to the CT Transit Depot Saturday morning for an electric bus fire. And apparently, uh, officials said that lithium iron batteries on fire are difficult to extinguish due to the thermal chemical processes that produce great heat and continually reignite the fire, officials said. Exposures were protected at the scene. Two transit workers were hospitalized as a precaution after being exposed to the smoke, and a firefighter was also taken to the hospital to be treated for heat exhaustion. So this electric vehicle burst into flames because the battery could not handle the heat. This happened one day after the Connecticut governor required all future state vehicles to run on electric power. This is from the Gateway Pundit that says the incident comes after Governor Led Le Ned Lamont announced a new state law that requires Connecticut to transfer all state vehicles to electrical power. On Friday, Lamont joined state agency officials, legislators, and environmental stakeholders uh, on the New Haven Green to highlight the enactment of Public Act 2225, a new law that includes a number of actions that will allegedly help reduce greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation 
patient sector to improve air quality and health outcomes for Connecticut residents. So the day after this, a battery powered bus bursts into flames because of the heat. And that's not the only thing that's been affected by the heat. That's not the only green energy solution that can't handle when the climate changes because it does that oftentimes. Again, from the Gateway Pundit, heat decreases solar panel efficiency, experts say, too hot for solar panels to handle. And the interest of saving time, if you're more interested in this article, please go read it. But it basically goes on to say that if it is too hot, solar panels will be much less effective and they will not be able to produce as much um, energy. So if it's too hot, there's too much sun. Your solar panel is just not going to work. That's that's not great, right? And then also in this article, um, it does talk about as well how uh, people think solar panels protect the environment, but they require 300 times as much land as conventional energy sources. And now the Los Angeles Times has discovered that they could contaminate groundwater with toxic heavy metals such as lead, selenium, and cadmium. And then there is an example right there of what these solar panel fields look like. They're covering the earth. It's ugly. They're taking up 300 times as much land as conventional energy sources. But no, our entire government, the Sri Lankan government, yeah, they're going through an economic collapse right now. They had one of the highest ESG scores, mind you, because um, the World Economic Forum was like, oh, just, you know, adopt these green energy policies. It's going to be great. Yeah, they're currently going through an economic collapse. Of course, that's tied to many other things outside of just the green energy and WEF uh, policies that they implemented over there. But yeah, go look into that because that was a big factor into it. Look at the Netherlands right now. All of the farmers are protesting because they're trying to cut down their nitrogen emissions and saying that the farmers, uh, you know, basically are irrelevant, that they need to cut it back. They need to cut it down. But again, without farmers, without farms, people don't eat. <sighs> And just even reading these two articles, it's like, yeah, tell me again how green energy is going to be good for, let's just say America, right? A country of 300 million people. Imagine everybody's cars freaking burst into flames because it's too hot and then solar panels stop working. That doesn't sound like it's going to be good for anybody. We could get into wind turbines and all of these other green energy solutions that actually impact the environment and nature more negatively than our traditional energy sources, but uh, that's for a different broadcast. Uh, I finally just want to end with this amazing clip of Matt Gates. Okay, this journalist tries to give him what you would call a gotcha question and ask Matt Gates what he thinks about leftists, specifically those who go to these Roe v. Wade and abortion protests. And the reason why I want to end on this clip is because, again, we are a society that caters to crime, that capitulates to the left, who are spoiled, uh, enabled brats, who are sad about getting their feelings hurt. This is what we need to do to take our country back. We need to be blunt. We need to be bold. We need to be truthful. And we need to stop being afraid to hurt people's feelings and take back our rights and freedoms the same we need to adopt that same mentality that our founding fathers had when they built this country, when they created and fought for this country. We need to get that back. And again, I think Matt Gates does a great job of just being a very honest and blunt person, which is sorely lacking in modern day government. Let's listen. Is it safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are ugly and overweight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Mm -hmm. There we go. From the mouth, mouth of Matt Gates himself, be offended. 
Absolutely. That is a message I can 100% stand behind. We are never going to get anywhere as a country if we don't start offending some people. We're never going to save our children from the trans ideology unless we start offending people and telling them the truth. People don't like the truth, but they need to hear it. And we are never going to save this country if we continue to allow the Biden administration to boldface lie to us. That is what is sorely lacking in the modern day is truth. That's why this administration refuses to speak it in any way, shape, or form. And until we, the people demand it, we will never enact any real change. And before we go from the show, I do want to give a huge shout out to one of my friends who is the creator of Old Country Soap. He sent me boxes and boxes of his Amish, made the Amish way soaps, Old Country Soap. Apparently, if uh, you go to oldcountrysoap.com, you can actually use discount code SAV for 20% off. These are handmade, all natural soaps. He sent me boxes and boxes of them. There's one back there. He has wildflower scents, heaven scent. This is tallow plus. And again, if you look at the ingredients list, it's ingredients that you can actually read. It's ingredients that you're familiar with. He has a bentonite clay, tallow. Okay, a lot of things that are good for the skin. The soaps smell great. This is an American company. I'm just gonna read a short excerpt for you from the back. He says, along your journey, you venture into our small country town. Or let me see here. Uh, I don't know where the little excerpt that I wanted to read was, but basically the most natural, amazing soaps you could get. I actually used one myself and um, it's very moisturizing. I really liked it. They smell great. Uh, again, the owner gave me this little treasure box of soaps and they all come with this. Um, it's kind of like little loofah as well. You can pop the soaps into this sleeve for a nice lather. All natural ingredients. They smell great. Oldcountrysoap.com. Made the Amish way. Use coupon code SAV for 20% off. Go and check him out. He makes great products. And I just wanted to uh, plug him because he sent me so much soap. And I'm very, very grateful for it. And I love promoting American-made products. With that, I'm wrapping up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. Please, please, please remember to follow me on Truth Social. It's very important as that's one of the last places where you can see my reporting Go follow me on Rumble, where all of my shows live uncensored. Go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Actually, I said I was going to read two reviews before the show ended, so let me do that, and then we will wrap up. But my two reviews that I'm going to read today, also thank you guys for getting us over 500 reviews on the podcast. I very much appreciate it. The review we are going to read today um, says, I salute you. Thank you for speaking truth into this insane suicidal world. Praise God. God be with you. SJ Connerly at Yahoo. Thank you, SJ. And then we have for the love of base. Actual reporter, passionate about her profession and gives you the real story. Thank you guys so much for leaving those reviews. I will start reading two reviews at the end of every single show. So if you would like your review read, go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you don't like Apple Pod, you can also find the show on Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are streamed. Go listen to the audio version. Like and share this video as well if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I will see you next time for another episode of Rapid Fire with Savannah Hernandez.